business and uh welcome everyone to loaded mag nufc um and myself and chris are going to bring you something a little bit different um we talked about it in our last show last night when we did our our q a with with all things newcastle united battleground europe something a little bit different now um we believe that the five clubs that are on tonight are the closest to breaking that mold um and breaking that traditional so it seems top six. Some have already done it and are planning to do it again. And some are maybe coming out uh, from under a rock and potentially going to spoil the party. Um, so the best way to do that is get everyone around a table or around a screen. Now, I have to be honest, for you that are watching, behind the scenes before we went live, already sparks flying with uh, some clubs already. Uh, and some choice words being said. So uh, it could prove to be a little bit of a tasty one. But Chris, how are you feeling about uh, about this uh, about this this unique show? I'm really looking forward to it, Pete. You know, uh, you broached the idea a few weeks back. Um, and, uh, you know, I said I thought it'd be a fantastic show. Really looking forward uh, to speaking to the guests we've got on tonight. Some of them I've met, some of them I've hadn't. Um, and as you know, Pete, I just, I love I love football in general. So I, I, I love talking about all different clubs and speaking with fans as passionate as us is um, can only be a good thing. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm interested to see the views of other fans. And pleasingly, Pete, um, without numbering them a little bit tonight, so there's two Newcastle fans on tonight, so I'm quite happy yeah, with that. <laughs> definitely. Uh, but look, they can definitely hold their own, and we're not going to mess around, so we'll get them in. So first and foremost, Leicester, uh, till I die, Chris is a representative. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, and thank you very much for having me on this show and thinking that we can still qualify for Europe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely talk about it, that's for sure, Chris. Uh, we've got little Dan in the house. From Wolves Fancast, how are you doing? Hey guys, nice to be on. I'll just reiterate, Chris, just thanks for the invite. I'm just here for the vibes tonight. <laughs> we can tell. <laughs> We've already had it in the background. Uh, we love it. So uh, uh, great to have you, have you on uh, the show. Um, and we've got a couple that are making their uh, reappearances along with Chris from Leicester. We've got Rich from Villa Park Pod. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, boys. Um, again, thanks for the invite. Very hopeful. I think you guys are a bit more hopeful than me about Villa finishing in Europe, judging by this uh, this episode. And 
also interesting that you haven't got a Man United fan on. So maybe that's a maybe that's a, a sign for the season upcoming. Interested, very very interested. Just yeah, a quick one, Pete. Remember, remember that gap. <laughs> Don't worry. Mind the gap, Rich. Mind the gap. It. Don't worry. I'm watching it. As I said, the sparks have already been flying, so we're going to bring in the main man, uh, Dan Lordis from West Ham Fans TV. How you doing? Doing good, mate. Doing good. Looking forward to the show. You know, I've been doing a lot of these shows with these like greedy six clubs, um, but. You know, you end up getting bored of all their waffles, so it's good to, you know, what I mean, come on here with some proper clubs, you know, some of proper clubs, proper talk clubs. about proper football. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Good stuff. Great to have you all on. And look, little Dan, I did mention I would make sure there was a gap between you and Rich, so I have to make sure that Dan's in the middle um, to keep that gap nice. Hold me and, back. Hold me nice back. And yeah, exactly. That is for sure. Now. As we've said, we got you guys on because, you know, maybe the media, maybe as in general from, from Loaded Mag and UFC feel that, uh, you know, these five clubs are the ones that have been talked about the most in terms of breaking into Europe. As I've said, one or two, and Dan, Dan uh, will get into West Ham in a second, uh, have already have already been in around the mix for a couple of seasons now. But, but we are those clubs that outside that traditional... Uh, seen top six. We are those clubs that are looking at maybe breaking that mould. Now, look, I, I, I want to start with Aston Villa. So, Rich, I'll, I'm coming to you. Obviously, you know, you brought Gerard in the back end of last season. You've had some ups, some downs, but you have spent a little bit of money. Um, you are, you know, improving with some some talented players, uh, and we'll look at them in the se- in a second. But in general. How are you um, assessing your preseason and looking forward to the, the season ahead? You know, what, what are your expectations from yourself? Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> from a results perspective, um, and it's always a funny one, isn't it? Like you, you try not to get carried away or read too much into preseason, and everyone says, "Ah, oh, we, we we don't care about preseason. We don't we don't look into it." But when you've won every game apart from one, and that was a draw. You kind of like you can't help but get a little bit excited about it. So, in terms of um, results-wise, it's been really good, really positive. We've beaten um, obviously the, the 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 local friendly against Walsall. Um, we've beaten Leeds. We've beaten Re- Stad Ren, and we've beaten um, Brisbane Raw, and we drew with Man United. So, from that perspective, it's been good. However, um, there has been the same signs that we're still lacking where we lacked last season like ollie watkins and danny ings haven't really hit the ground running in pre-season um and while we've signed bubaka kamara in central midfield who seems like an excellent player we still seem in my opinion very lightweight in terms of our of our midfield and um i think that's going to be a real issue for us next season um one or two of the signings have looked really good as i said kamara and diego carlos have looked really good and um Leon Bailey has been absolutely phenomenal um, in preseason, so that's a real positive sign. So, so yeah, I think um, I think there's some in terms of expectations for this, the coming season. I think we can be positive, um, and you guys will all say the same thing. If you can get off to that good start, if you can get a little bit of momentum, you never know what, what what's going to happen. And I hope that with Gerard having a full preseason with the players, he can 
maybe bring about that little bit of steely determination that he obviously has. And that's something that we've lacked, that little bit of a soft underbelly. So hopefully he can rectify that and, you know, shit house a few wins for want of a better word, which we've never been able to do properly for as Aston Villa, you know, for the last three or four years. So, yeah, fairly positive going into the season. Uh, excellent. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris, our, our Chris, Chris H, I'll come to you. You know, um, uh, Rich has talked about the, the Villa business. Um, I'll put it on the screen there. We, we can look at the, the ins and the outs. You've talked about the likes of Coutinho, Kamara, Diego, Carlos. There's a little bit of money being spent there. One or two decent deals. Um, Ludwig um, Augustison, if I'm pronouncing that right, um, is coming on loan from Seville. Um are you are you worried about Aston Villa um, from from the business that they've done? Um, I wouldn't. I don't want. I don't want to sound. Uh, I don't want to sound like I'm being disrespectful here. But I wouldn't say I'm worried about Aston Villa. But I do think that Aston Villa have made some good signings. Like obviously getting Coutinho on a permanent deal. Um, I, you know, for 17 million, considering what did Barcelona pay 140 odd for him? Uh, I think that's a fantastic bit of business. Uh, Bubakar Kamara, someone that Newcastle were linked with for a fair while, as as was uh, Diego Carlos. But I think I think um, I think Villa have made some really good signings. Obviously, they're gonna they're gonna really miss uh, Matty Target, uh, and I say I say that tongue in cheek. And um, I know they've got uh, Luca Dean in there who seemingly has slotted in reasonably well um but villa villa are a good side like whenever whenever we come up against aston villa i always think we're in for a game um i, I never take it for granted that you know we're just going to turn up and roll them over so to speak but I, I i suppose my only concern and maybe it's a question for rich is that you know a, a lot of these signings are going to be on really really high wages um and not not to sound like a you know like the ffp police or anything like that but you know Rich, from from your perspective, was that was there any concern in terms of you know these players coming in? I know Gerard's um, Gerard's probably wanting to put his own stamp on the team, and I completely get that. And you know these players that he's brought in are certainly improvements it, it, from my point of view. Anyway, look it, from the outside looking in, but you know, do you were you, were you concerned at all? You know that when these players that you brought in were on seemingly very very high wages and do do you expect more outgoings i know you've got a big load of outgoings there rich but do you think yeah. there'll be any more well breaking news i don't know if you guys knew about it before the pod but carney chuckermaker's just just gone yeah. to yeah. chelsea for 20 million yeah. wow so uh, from an ffp perspective that is great business so we've obviously um obviously Grealish was pure profit for 100 million because he came for our academy and then Chukamaker, I'd imagine, is a significant amount of profit because he's been with our academy for a number of years. Yeah. So I think from an FFP point of view, Herslow, I believe, is part of the, the body that wrote the rules for FFP. So um, he, <laughs> if there's anyone who knows how to get around it, um, it'll be uh, Christian Perslow. So, yeah, I'm not too concerned. I, I guess the only thing that I'm... I think I would hope that Gerard's maybe because the business was done early and mm. obviously we signed one or two players in the January window. Um, and also the fact that Danny Ings and Leon Bailey had such up and down seasons across last season that with a full preseason, I'm, I'm hoping that those players kind of pick up, yeah. you know, and hit the ground running as you know, sometimes it takes players a season or whatever to get settled in. So I'm hoping that that's the case. As I said before, the only thing that I'm worried about is the physicality in our team. Like we've, We've got Diego Carlos, who's, who's a man mountain. And we've got, um, obviously, Conza, Mings or Callum Chambers, who are pretty big as well. 
but from a height perspective, I'm not particularly I'm not particularly happy about our, our strike force or our midfield. We've got a really good young player called Tim Irig Bonham, who's absolutely phenomenal, um, age 18, who was part of the England Euro Under-19s winning squad. And I actually think he's a better prospect than Carney Chukwameka. Um, he's six foot two, he's much stronger, and I think he's going to play a big part this season. We've obviously got Jacob Ramsey as well, who burst onto the scene a lot last season, who's only 21. And then we've got Cameron Archer, who Gerard is keeping. Um, so the academy is fantastic. And if that can bring through some players and or we can sell them on for the likes of 20 million, then that, that obviously frees up money to buy, you know, big na- one or two big name players. But yeah, into, like I am, I'm not concerned from an FFP perspective, but I am hoping that he brings one or two more players in just to address or just to give us those options of a, of a plan B, you know, if you need to lump it up forward, you guys have got it with, you know, you've got Callum Wilson, who's fantastic, but you've also got that potential option with a Chris Wood when you, when it's 10 minutes to go and you just need to lump the ball forward. Like Villa haven't got that. And that's kind of what we're, what we're missing. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I want to get the thoughts of, of, of the other clubs now. Um, look, uh, Chris, I'll come to you. Uh, from a lesser perspective, obviously, I know there's a little bit of a rivalry there, just a little bit with Aston Villa. Um, it is there, it, you know, what are your thoughts about Villa? Do you, do you think that they are in a position to really push for Europe or are they ones that, you know, are maybe just going to fall a little bit short in terms of making that push uh, into your European spot? What do you think? It'd be interesting because so many clubs, I mean, Wolves last season, for example, started really well and then fell away. Brighton started well and fell away. Mm-hmm. You know, we we didn't start well and just never got going. But I, I, I think Villa, they've got some good owners in. I, I've heard their uh, their owner or the representative talk on the radio. He's, you know, he seems to be very sensible. You know, he's not trying to run before he can walk. Um, you know, um, Gerard, great signing for a manager, um, and I think it's it's going to be an interesting season for them because this is the one where they've got to make the statement. You know, this is the one where if Gerard doesn't get you a top half finish, you know, people are going to start questioning his ability to do it in the English leagues. You know, we've got a manager that, that won everything in Scotland. It, it means. You know, we could all go and manage Rangers and Celtic, and let's be honest with you, and win a trophy up there. Uh, so I think it's a very important season for Villa, uh, and it's going to be it's going to be interesting because there's so many clubs now that are trying to get into that those European places, and everybody's sort of you know part of us is, is growing the squad. I, I I would have to say that probably one of those I think will will actually probably possibly sneak into it. Yeah, it's interesting. But I want to come to a team that you know had that had that run and were definitely in the in the conversation for a lot of that season. Um, little Dan, I come to you from a Wolves perspective. You know, uh, are you of the mindset that you've got enough to withstand some of those signings that that, that Villa have signed in this summer? Do you think your team is better equipped uh, to keep Villa at bay, or do you think that Villa are are looking strong? I mean, it's, it's clear to see that they've invested money, um, but I'll, I'll be truthful with you, with Pete. Same, same guy like myself, backwards cap on, middle aged. You know what the truth is? That they're not, they're not in our league. 
They haven't been in our league for a good few years now. Did they finish like how many points last season was he, Rich? Seven points. And yeah. we lost nine out of the last 14. <laughs> I mean, we're fine. Wolves are literally two players away. We're two players away from a top six finish and we're two players away from a relegation battle if two get injured. That's the tie-up that Wolves are on at the moment because how, how thin our squad is. We, we literally, it can go one way or another this season. Wolves have got to bring in a striker if Jimenez is going to be out for the majority of August. Fabio Silva's been let uh, go out on loan to Anderlecht for the season. We haven't got a, a focal point striker. The last sort of few pre-season games, we've been playing a false nine. Um, leads away first game of the season. It's it's not the type of game that you, you want to a degree because obviously Leeds at home first game of the season, their fans are going to be right at it. They're not going to want to get off to a defeat in the first game of the season. So they're going to come out of the traps just straight away. Um, I'm just hoping that as good as we have been on the counter-attack the last few seasons, with an extra man in a final third because we're transitioning to a back four, that we can be a lot more competitive because the lack of goals last season really killed us. We were, we were in the, the race for top four come the end of January. We, we let Adama Traore go out on loan. We didn't replace him. We didn't strengthen the squad at, at all. And our owners are really culpable for the way we finished last season because Bruno Large, um, they've really not given him given him a chance. Last transfers last summer, he asked for four players to, to be in his starting lineup. He got one. He's had another starting eleven uh, signing since then. That's two. So he's missing two from what he originally wanted, and you've lost another like fifteen players this summer. We're, we're so threadbare squad wise, and we never really had depth when Nuno was there. Um, it's, it's going to be an interesting season for Wolves, but I, I still think that even though Villa have spent that that much, I, I still think we'll, we might just edge them this season. It's going to be close. I don't think we'll do the double over Villa this season, but um, I like I like that Aiden Ori. He's he looks good, unreal. He, yeah, he won't he, be at Wolves in two good. seasons' time. Yeah, yeah, he looks a good player. Yeah, he'll go for fifty million plus in a couple of seasons. Um, he, he needs to because Angers have got a sell-on clause with with him, so. Um, we need to try and get as much money as we can. And our Man City, um, I think Real Madrid and Barcelona have all been uh, tabloid links. So, but I mean, he, he is an exceptional player. If he doesn't, I mean, I made a joke about a year ago that he'll go and win on, uh, a Ballon d'Or in a few years. But I'll, I'll guarantee you, on on whatever I need to guarantee on tonight, he'll be France's left back for a good few years to come. Wow. Was it just me, or did anybody else hear all the violins then? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't start, Chris. Little dad, Joey, already on friend. one tonight. He's already on one tonight. Don't start. But look, Dad, Lawless, you're you're the man we haven't come to yet, and and the reason being is because obviously you um, West Ham were that team and have been for a couple of years now that have broke the mold and have been within that that top six conversation for most parts of both seasons. So, you know, um, from your perspective, uh, looking down on, on, on the rest of us, uh, are, are you worried about Villa? Oh, I think you're on mute, mate. Out of all the clubs here, I wouldn't say that Villa are the one-on-ones uh, I'm particularly worried about. Um, I'm really interested to see more of Gerard. I think there's still some question marks over him. Obviously, they've spent a lot of money in the past few years. Um, haven't gone as crazy this summer, it seems, as they have in the past. But, um, 
Yeah, like you know, like Rich said, that that the positive is that they have got a preseason, like Gerard has got. So this is the season to really judge him. They did have some some poor decisions, I think, towards the second half of the season um last year. So now's the time where he gets his preseason in, starts to get his players in, more of his players in. Um then we can judge him, but I can't, if I was to predict, I can't say that they're going to be the team that would snatch like a European place for us, but I think they should be aiming for top eight. I think if they was to get um, top 10, I think if those get 10th even, I think that would be, that would be poor for what they're trying to do. And I think, you know, Gerard coming in now, he needs to try and push them at least around those places, at least this season to try and compete, to look and say, Okay, it was in touching distance. So if they do finish eighth or ninth, they can sort of look and take something from that. So yeah, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I, at at the moment, as as things stand, I don't know. I can't see him pushing on that much, or sort of drastically. I'm, I want to put a question out to all of you, and obviously, Rich, uh, I want to hear your opinions on this as a Villa fan. Is is Steven Gerrard under pressure this season? Uh, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, we came in and, and had a blistering start as manager at Aston Villa, but then things seemed to kind of dip towards the end of the season. And, you know, I, I did see on social media, obviously a small section that were questioning um, Stephen Gerrard towards the end of that season. Now, you know, do we do we as a panel think that Gerrard's under a little bit of pressure or do we think he's going to get given that time? Um, to really build Aston Villa, can they afford for that to happen? Rich, I'll get your thoughts first. Um, I mean, every manager is probably what four or five games away, other than like Pep or Klopp, are probably four or five games away from being under real pressure. If they, if, you know, if they lose five games in a row or something like that, it, you know, the 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 vultures are circling, aren't they? So. Uh, in that sense, yes, he is. He's under a little bit of pressure. I agree with everything that the guys have said. You know, he's he's he is going to be judged more this season. Um, he's had a he's had a full preseason. He's he's kind of got the players that he wants in. He's managed to assess all the squad and see who he wants to keep around, who he wants to send out, as best as he can. So, yeah, he will be under under a little bit of pressure. I do still think though that. Um, he will he will get some time he'll get you know if he does go on a one one bad run maybe even two bad runs then i still think that they will they will stick with him um but as dan said you know a 10th i think they'll be looking at minimum minimum 10th position the mm. the board um that's an absolute minimum so yeah, I think I think somewhere around that top eight will be deemed a, a success and potentially like a bit a bit of a cup run, depending on the draws that that we get. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. If he loses four or five games in a row, he's going to be he's he's going to be feeling the heat. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, what do you, what do the rest of the panel think? Does anyone think that that Gerald's under a little bit of pressure, or do you think they're they're going to allow and fork him a little bit of time? What what do we think? I think it depends for me on, you know, where they finish. I mean, they finished 14th last season. If they finish 9th or 10th this season, then you can't get rid of him because you, you know, you've improved. But will they see that because it's Stephen Gerrard, because they've spent the money, will they see that as, a, you know, as a failure? We know that, you know, clubs can get very, you know, trigger happy when it comes to 
getting rid of managers and you know they lose two or three games and they're suddenly under pressure as i say from what i've heard from the villa owners they do seem you know to have their head screwed on and i th i think they'll stick with them unless it's a really disastrous season as in you know dean smith sort of thing then i think they'll stick with him and they should do they should do because he's, he's going to be a great manager mm. i think i think also i forgot to mention that the pressure that comes off twitter and all that sort of stuff i mean it's, it's it's one of those things isn't it you, you you dare to look at twitter but it's just uh it's just a minefield of opinions and just ridiculous opinions most of the time but as villa fans as all you guys probably know I'm, I'm sure little dan knows villa fans don't need anything to moan about like with the most fair weather supporters that you can pretend you can possibly imagine like we'll stick with the club don't get me wrong but they'll just moan about anything we could we could win the league and they'll still there'll still be villa fans who want to get rid of the manager it's, they're just they're just yeah, sometimes I, I did see a few start to turn actually, like last season with some of the results to start to question Gerard. Like, already yeah, when you say that, it's just it's just crazy. They're, they're just not never satisfied with anything. So, and that's probably where the and with the fan base, you know, when we talk about pressure, it's the pressure from who the owners or the fans, and the fans that is where I think a lot of pressure will come. Because, yeah, yeah, like I said, you know, he, he had a few, there was a few bad results of it last season, there was a bit of sort of voices of discontent, but. I think this season, I think, you know, he, yeah, maybe he should be given time as a young manager still. But yeah, I think, I think Villa fans, like for all the time you've been in the Premier League, you was hoping to be up there and starting to challenge for those spots a lot sooner. So I think it's about that. Is that patience going to be afforded just because he's a newer manager? Or mm. is it the fact that you've seen so much uh, sort of money being spent for your club that, it's now's the time you know we can't be waiting like three four more seasons and plus where there's so many other clubs you know in and around them positions that are starting to make those moves can you afford to be left behind the longer it takes you know and when you're going to be trying to compete with you know newcastle uh wolves west ham or leicester for players you know we're all up in these positions and you're then trying to get the players and they sort of see yeah okay you were throwing money at it but you never really got anywhere. I'm going to go with this club. So time time is ticking. Um, so I think there's got to be an element of pressure. I think that's a great way to segue on um, into our uh, into our next club. Uh, as Dan says, time is ticking. But just before that, um, yeah, there is an issue with the live chat. Uh, um, I think Chris in the, our Chris all has been uh, calling out Daz from loading. Oh, no, I felt I felt terrible doing it because everyone's blaming me, and I was like, I got a bit. It wasn't me. <laughs> He's pushed me straight onto Daz. Um, but we've got your comments Sorry, here. Look, so many in the chat, Simon. Daz is in the chat himself, so he's he's heard that live yeah, and he's read it. Um, Jules, Andrew, uh, David, Ken, uh, Gary, Ray. I could keep going through. There's so many. Um, uh, Jade's in the chat. Welcome, Jade. Lisa, Geordie Toon for Life, who's always a regular. Uh, really, really appreciate your contributions. So many in the chat. The One of the questions I will ask, though, came from Ken Charlton, and it was a direct one. Um, um, quick question here for little Dan. He's asked, why do they call you Little Dan? Any particular reason? Because I'm five foot three. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go, Ken. Simple yeah. to the point. But they call That's me the what? Bobby Elephant in the pub. <laughs> yes. 
There we go. Love it. Love it, Dan. Um, Brilliant stuff. So, look, you've mentioned um, Dan Lawless about time is ticking. This is why I come to you, Chris. Uh, Leicester till I die. Leicester City. Time is ticking. Okay, what is going on at Leicester City right now? Let all of our fan bases know that are in the chat. What is the situation with Leicester City? And look, uh, I'll even put it up here. Put it up here. It's not great reading, I've got to be honest. The transfer business in nothing. Okay, out a few younger, younger and less established players that have left the club. Total spend zero, total received zero. What is going on with Leicester? And you know, how do you see your season, um, you know, kind of transpiring with only what four days to go? Chris, Chris, get your violin out, mate. <laughs> well, speaking as the team, the highest Midlands team, well, sorry, the team for the Midlands that finished the highest in the Premier League last season, uh, I got a sore neck looking down at Wolves and uh, Villa. I've got to be honest with well, you. Well, we're from Staffordshire, according to you, Pair. <laughs> well, I don't know. You, 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 you didn't deny it. Um, oh, I mean, we haven't let anybody go that I would say was you know we wanted to keep you know they're, they're just youth players and i mean jabokovic he was our third choice goalkeeper he came from hall um he's, i think his main job was just keeping the bench warm for people and you know there's and everybody that's gone there is, is totally you know not missable shall we say mm. um the problem we've had is that we've had a couple of really good seasons i mean forgetting the premier league win you know, apart from last season, we finished fifth for two seasons running. Now, you know, a lot of people say we bottled fourth. Well, we didn't. We did well to get fifth because, you know, we're, we, we're not a, one of the so-called big six teams. Yes, we're rich, but we're not, you know, oil money funded rich. Um, and we, we spent a lot of money on players that we can't now get rid of. You know, we all have got to be careful of the FFP. Um, we've got players that um, we are paying an awful lot of money for that are just literally, like I say, bench warmers. You know, you got you got Hamza Chowdhury, who obviously Newcastle were linked with when you had Steve Bruce. Uh, West Brom are linked with him now that they've got Steve Bruce. But would you Shut want to go and play for Steve Bruce? Let's be honest with you. <laughs> I can't blame him. But yeah, if I said to you, right, you know, I've got a new job for you. It's a new department. We're going to be on five grand a year less. You'd tell me to F off, wouldn't you? So we can't get rid of those players, but we've got to be careful that we do not come into, you know, FFP problems. Mm. Um, And we we don't have to sell. This is the thing. If we kept this squad together, we'd be fine. You know what I mean? But we will sell if somebody comes and makes us an absolutely stupid offer. Um, If you came in and offered 70 million for Madison... We'd say probably say yes, you can have him. But you're this, look, about I, with thirty-five million here, forty million there. You know, we know you've got money. You either come in with a serious offer. It's the same with Arsenal, Arsenal and um, and Tielemans. No, we don't even have an offer from them yet. And there's going to, you know, I just it is annoying, and and I blame Brendan for a lot of things. Uh, sorry, I don't blame Brendan for a lot of things, but I do blame him for coming out after the friendly and saying. We've got to sell before we can buy. Yeah. You know, you might as well have just put a big sign up that said fire fire sale. We can get who yeah. you want. 
Um, and, and Chris, just just to jump in there, because I think you've made a really good point, and and the rest of the panel, feel free to jump in on this. I think this is why Newcastle came back with that second bid. So the first bid was around thirty-five million going to forty. Um, the second bid, we believe, is um, around 45. forty, rising to forty-five. That bid was rejected uh, what two two and a half hours ago. Um, it was on Sky Sports News. There is now question marks about whether we come back in with another bid or not. Um, and look, if you ask any Newcastle fan, and we had the show yesterday, myself and Chris, where we asked the case about about James Madison, you know, all Newcastle fans would say one hundred percent we would take him. You know, in my opinion, and I think in Chris's opinion as well as Newcastle fans, we, I personally believe if we get if we put a bid in around 50 million, rising to 55, I think Leicester take that because I don't think they're in a position. I think, I think 60 is the minimum we're talking. You reckon? Yeah. Uh, he's, he, you know, he's still got two years on his contract. We two don't, years is not a long time, though. No, it is not. No, but it's still two years. We do not need to sell. We we used to be a club, and we've all been there before all these owners started coming out the, the woodworks. Where we, you know, we had to sell players like Gary Lineker, Alan Smith, just to keep going. That's how we survived. Now we will sell if we get a decent offer, as in eighty million for Maguire, but we don't have to, and that's the difference. You know, I mean, Darren Bent's come out and actually said today that he would be taking a backward step if he goes to Newcastle United. Now, whether I agree with that or not, I don't know. Let's put that to the panel. Put that to the panel. What 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 do we think? Just to short answers around around the table. Start start with yourself, Rich, then Dan, then little Dan. What do you think? Do you think do you think Madison coming to Newcastle is a backward step or or do you think it's you know it, it's kind of a, a straight shoot or, or do you think it's going up? What what are your opinions on that? It's a risk, it's a risky step because you know, if we're to believe what what you know we're led to believe that Newcastle are gonna end up being where they're going, then, you know, it's a forward step. Um, from my perspective, I think it's sort of a sideward step. I think uh, we'll, we'll obviously talk about Newcastle, but like you ended the season strongly and, have, uh, you know, I, I think you're going to finish above Leicester, short answer. So very minimum, it's a sideward step to me. Okay. Yeah. I would Which... agree. I'd say, I'd say it's, uh, it's it, it has to be classed as a sideward step at the moment, but the clubs seem to be in, in different two different tra trajectories, as in you know if if Madison, it's funny because what happens with the team when they when like Chris says Brendan Rodgers says stuff like that, and I wonder whether it's a little bit of self preservation from Rodgers mm -hmm. to kind of back himself out of any responsibility. Um, it, when players start to leave, they do not want to be the last person left at the at the bus stop or whatever you want to say because. You know, if 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 Tielemans goes, Schmeichel goes, and Didi goes, Madison isn't going to be want to be left there on his own. There's no way. So they'll all that you know he'll want to try and jump out before before all the others. So yeah, I think it's, it has to be classed as a sideward step. But both clubs are definitely go potentially going in two different directions. Interesting, little dad. What do you think? Great word, rich trajectory. Trajectory. Yeah, it's easy for you to say. <laughs> Can you see why people from Wolverhampton get frustrated being called brummies? Have you heard some of the things he comes out with? Talking <laughs> um, 
I don't think it'd be a wise move for James Madison to go to Newcastle there because I still think he's got an outside chance of getting in the World Cup squad. Leicester haven't got um, you haven't got Europe this season, have you, Chris? No. No, I just wanted to make you remember that. Um, <laughs> he's still got an outside I chance. I think moving. We want to let somebody else have a go. That's it. Yeah, we've had our years in Europe, haven't we, Chris? Maybe Villa can get back in there. I mean, it's been 1992, be was it? Don't be silly. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even born when Villa were the greatest team in the world, apparently. See the way they got um, in there so quick. <laughs> only, only, only one that's won it on this panel. <laughs> well, yeah. no, little Dan makes a good point there. In the, you know, it is a World Cup year, and these players, Tielemans, Madison, Fafana. We're not going to sell all of them. You know, Casper isn't a loss. I've been shouting for him to go this season anyway because we've got Danny Ward there. We don't even need to go out and buy Dubrovnik. We've been with Dubrovnik from you. We will God help us. With Leno from Arsenal. We do not need to go and buy. If we're that struggling for money, sell Schmeichel, get him off the wage bill. He's one of the big earners. Didn't have a good season last season. He's not commanding his box like he used to. Yeah, yeah there's lots of different reasons, but... Move him on. I mean, we used to have a we used to have at Leicester a player called Gordon Banks. You may or may not have, have heard from of him. And there was an understudy that came into the or went into the chairman's office and said, "I want more game time, or I'm off." And he said, "Okay," and he actually got rid of Gordon Banks, and he was replaced with Peter Shilton. Not a bad understudy. <laughs> he went on to sort of achieve quite a bit. So you've got to let these players go at some point. And I think letting um, Schmeichel go is a good move because we've got some great goalkeepers that are coming through the academy that can do the cup games. Ward cost us 12 million. He's played one Premier League game in three seasons. It's ridiculous, but he's been great in cup games. But you see, I like Newcastle. And if you're looking at the I can't even say that word either. Looking to the future, then yes, obviously Newcastle, with the money behind you, are going to be go further than Leicester City. You know, it, it's obvious. But is it now the right time to move, like little Dan said? You know, if Fafana goes to Chelsea, will he be starting every week in Chelsea's squad? I doubt it. And we've got the World Cup coming up in, in uh, November, December, and he could make it into the um, French squad. Same with, like you say, with Madison. I don't think he'll make it because Southgate doesn't like him, but same with Madison in England. So if we are left, if we are left with the squad we have got, we don't make any more signings. Because if you remember a few years ago, uh, it happened to Spurs. Mm. We are left with the same group of players that won us the FA Cup, the same group of players that won us the Community Shield, that got us fifth twice. So it isn't a bad squad. <laughs> it's, it's not an awful squad we're being left with. They're just a the bit older, squad. though, isn't they? That's the thing. They're a oh, bit yeah. older. You've got... a, a season. A season older. Um, Lacking incentives as well, Chris, now. Sorry? Well, yeah, like... we, haven't, we haven't got Europe, but we finished eighth. We were one place off Europe. We've just, we just got to a European semi-final. No, you're telling me that Newcastle won't have liked that next season. West Ham did it as well. But a couple of seasons ago, West Ham were fighting relegation. You know, <laughs> to say that they're not going to end up The, the back players now. that you've mentioned in the last sort of few minutes, Fafana, Madison, uh, Tielemans, mm -hmm. they've probably gone as far as they can wearing a Leicester shirt, haven't they now? Uh, Tielemans has. Fafana, no, he's, he's just signed a five-year contract. 
So we're absolutely in no hurry. No hurry. I mean, the fact that he has taken Leicester City off his Twitter bio uh, yeah. is going to get him booze on Saturday when his name's announced. Some of his well, the, five-year con- the five-year contract was just commodity protection, though, wasn't it, really, on the back of that? He signed it because he was injured at the time. But yeah. he, is, he is a good player, but it does mean... I mean, like, Harry Maguire, right? We knew Harry Maguire was going to go to Man United the season before he did. We'd saved him from Hull, because look where Hull went. They just went down and down again. We saved him, and he came to the board and went, look, I'm gonna, I, I want to go, but I don't want you guys to lose out because you saved my career. He signed a new contract. Yes, there was clauses in it, but it meant that we could demand £80 million for him. Now, if he's worth £80 million, how much is Fafana worth? Yeah, I guess, I guess, I, guess Chris, I don't think you're gonna get you're gonna scam any other clubs like that again. Chris. <laughs> How did you get 80 million pounds for Harry Maguire and then now you're skint? How has this happened? When we when, when Harry Maguire <laughs> left us, he was a good player. <laughs> he scored in a World Cup goal when he was with us. He scored he one slab head header against Sweden, and now suddenly he's flipping <laughs> Nesta. <laughs> I guess the, the only, con- the the only day, concern, eighty Chris. million for him, rightly or wrongly, and that's the benchmark. Yeah, how we... much of a joke, yeah. Man United are when they should have spent forty million pounds and got Johnny Evans back. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. The only concern, Chris, is that team. you sell these, you sell these players, and um, like say Tienemans goes, say Madison goes, and Fafana, or even two out of those three, it's the lack of time that you've got to potentially bring. Yeah. Bodies in. I guess that's the that's the only concern that you've got. The thing, right the thing now. we've got to remember is that again, this happened with Maguire because we knew he was going. We we got Sorinchu in, yeah. And now these players come in, and they are thrown into the team, and they are expected to do brilliant from day one. Well, they come to a strange country. They've not got any friends with them. Probably got the family with them. They're playing in a league that is completely different to the one they've played in. Soyuncu would have sunk if he'd started as soon as he came over, but he had that season to bed in. And when it came in, I think we got the best deal, to be honest with you, 80 million and we got Soyuncu in. We ain't going to sell all those players. We will sell one. And if it is Tielemans, we've been talking to him for a year now and he's not wanting to sign this contract. He's, he's still playing well for us. He's still giving his all. He's not doing a Mares. He's not sat on a... French airport waiting for his agent to ring him, telling which flight to get on. He's still giving it his all. We've got a, we've got a plan in there. You know, we've got some good youngsters coming through. Kieran Dewsbury Hall, you hadn't heard of him a year ago. You know, he went to Luton on loan. He came back with all his, had won virtually every award going. So there's going to be plans in place. Um, we would be absolutely stupid to sell all these players. And it's a case of whichever one goes first. Mm. Or all three because you're so skint. But we know we're not skint. We are you're not skint. skint. You're skint, no. Chris. Your club's finished. <laughs> You've had your fun in Europe. Your owners have got no money. What's that there? Oh, it's the Premier League. I've never won one of them. It's living in the past podcast, is it? Speaking the only Premier League winner on the show tonight. We don't. There was a difference. He was bragging about winning the community shield a minute ago, Chris. Put him to bed. Put him to bed. It's actually the English Super Cup when we won it. And we hosted it, of course, this season. But now there's a difference between not being able to buy anybody and being skint. Do do you know what, Chris? 
I mean, I've, I've hated Wolves since Mark McGee went there because they thought Mark McGee <laughs> left Leicester went to Wolverhampton because he thought Wolves were the bigger club. Hey, that worked out well for him. Well, I mean, we are, but it was a bad move at the time by him. Yeah, I agree. You were the bigger club, but he finished <sighs> below us in the league. How do you work that out? Do you know what? Do you know what the problem is, Chris? And I think you, you know, you mentioned it earlier. You know, you you said didn't you that you know you don't um you don't need to sell anybody. And I, I you know, I take that point. But the the trouble is, your manager has kind of contradicted that by saying that you can't buy anyone until you sell yeah, someone. So it's it's just anybody. a shame. Yeah, but every anybody, club but needs to refresh. They've got to refresh. Yes, they do. But we've still got that squad, like I say, that finished fifth twice, that won the FA and the Charity Shield. We. You know, it's not the end of the world. If we don't, if we do not sell uh, by anybody, we are not going to get relegated. We're no, not going to decide that's going to get no, relegated. You no. know? But then uh, the trouble is, done. the trouble is, Chris, to counteract that, you're absolutely right. You've got a good squad, and I don't think relegation's even, you know, on the cards. But obviously, year on year, if that continues, and then say, I don't know, Tielemans goes, Madison goes, um, Fafana goes. Maybe not, maybe not altogether, but gradually. That's when the worry creeps in, then, isn't it? Because then will Rogers start questioning his position? Will oh, other players? I mean, Rogers is very good at um, self-preservation. <laughs> he is very good at coming out and, and blaming everybody else but himself. I like Rogers. I don't want him to go, but if he goes, the club carries on. You know, it, 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 yeah. clubs yeah. are no bigger than anywhere. As long as we don't get Steve Bruce, I'm I'm not particularly bothered. Um, you've got to you've got to accept that. And the problem with a lot of fans, and I'm I'm saying Leicester fans here, is they suddenly think because we finished fifth twice and because we won the FA Cup that we've got a godforsaken right to finish to do that every season. Fans of every club expect it, but. How long did it take Liverpool to win the Premier League or the top flight again? 30 years. When did Manchester United last win a, a, a title? About 13 years ago. If you have a couple of bad years, it's not the end of your club. It, the, your club gets into trouble when it gets relegated. You've mm. been there, Newcastle fans. Yeah, we've been there yeah, twice. Yeah. We know how it feels. Yeah. West Ham have been there before. West Ham Villa. nearly went there not so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and nope. a villa have just come up, and obviously Wolves not so long ago. But that's when that's when you start getting in trouble because you then got a hell of a lot of players that you're paying on fantastic wages, and you're in the Burnley have had to get rid of most of their squad. Yeah, that's it, the it, trouble. If you can just have, if you have a couple of bad years and ride it out, it's not the end of the world. But to answer the main question for the of the show, are we going to be challenging for Europe? We haven't got Europe to worry about this season, but I would question whether we would or not. Mm. I think we'll be finishing that 8th, ninth, 10th sort of place. Okay, that, that, that's a fair point. I just wanted to add, because I think it was a good point that I think Chris all mentioned about um, the, the Brendan Rodgers situation in terms of Brendan Rodgers. You've talked about you don't, you don't need to sell anybody, and you're probably right. You don't need to. You could probably go into the season the way you are with the squad you've got, and you could probably comfortably be anywhere between... 12th to, like you've said, 8th, maybe a, a highest, in my opinion. Just my opinion. Um, but the one thing you've got is you've got a manager that likes to sign players. If you look at his career, he he, he predominantly likes to continually 
uh, refresh his squad and sign players. And the fact that he's not been able to do that, I think it's told in his last couple of press conferences where he's talked about Madison and then he's talked openly about the fact that um, th there are financial difficulties there. I think he's gone about it probably in the wrong way from a club point of view. And he's given a lot of clubs out there uh, an incentive to want to try and bid for those players. And I think that's been what we've now seen in terms of two bids from Newcastle. I believe there'll be a third before the week's out. I think there'll be a third bid for for for, um, for Madison. I think it'll be 50, 50 million north. And I think it will ask some questions of uh, of Leicester City. What it's also done is what we've you've just talked about, uh, Chris, from a Leicester point of view, in that Wesley Fofana today has taken his Leicester City tag off his bio. He's been tweeting at it, or not sorry, not tweeting at it, he's been putting on his Instagram a picture of him with a, with a bubble, a cloud bubble, a thinking bubble above his head. He's put a, another tweet out in French that basically, I think it was... Um, uh, Why do they do this? Denzel Washington was on the picture. There was a, there was a, there was a, there was, a, there was words written. It, it was a, it was a famous saying, I think, um, and I, and I can't remember it off by heart. But basically, what he's saying is, is that sometimes he has to make decisions for himself that other people aren't going to like. And I really wanted you to say Gary Lineker shags crisps. Then <laughs> <laughs> that's probably going to be his next Instagram let, post. Let, let, I, I don't know. This. Maybe let me, let me just read you this from Wesley Fofana. He tweeted this, and it's pinned to the top of his um, Twitter. It's Background violins. It was not easy for for me, but thanks to you all, I came back stronger. Me and my family won't forget all the love you sent me during that difficult time. Be sure that we always do the best for the foxes. Thank you for your unconditional support. He has and got goodbye. some stick for that. I mean, I, I, I tweeted back to him, actions speak louder than words. And mm. um, it basically is what everybody is saying. Um, it, I'm going to be interested to see what his sort of reception is going to be. Um, but actually, at the end of the day, he signed to a five-year contract. And... It depends. I mean, Rogers, like I say, he's the, I think he's the seventh best paid manager in the league. He's got to show now that he can earn that, that he is good. Yes, he's done it in Scotland, but like I say, any of us lot could have done that. He didn't even have Rangers for most of that time because they were in the lower leagues. So, he's, you know, he's got a lot to prove. Um, it wasn't so long ago that Man United, Spurs, everybody else has been linked with him. Yeah. Nobody is now. <laughs> and that's the thing with Tillemans 12 months ago they probably would have you know scored the goal at Wembley won us the FA Cup if he'd gone then we'd have had you know there'd have been queues but because we've had a bad season suddenly everybody's disappeared uh, I've just I've just touched on Tillemans just before we move on to the next club is that you know Tillemans has got a year left on his contract I think it's been made clear that he doesn't want to sign a new deal um, he, he obviously wants to leave he wants to leave the Champions League football there was talk that he wanted to go to Arsenal. Arsenal then got Fabio Vieira um, from Porto, who plays in a similar position, a similar role. And so I think that's thrown a little bit of a spanner in the works. Um, Newcastle have been linked with him. We were linked with him. Ben Jacobs, a friend of the channel, um, obviously journalist and Leicester fan, had reported that Newcastle yeah. were interested in him and actually asked the question with regards to Tillemans. That there so is West Ham. West Ham, <laughs> West Ham could it could be another option. You know, throw Villa in the yeah, it's silly well. now. Come um, on, is, is there, 
<laughs> but 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 the point being is that is that obviously he's in a position where he wants to be out and that actually with a year left on this contract he could go but i think the the reason why he hasn't gone is because Leicester is still looking at sort of 30 million for him now i think that if i'm right in thinking they signed him for 40 from from uh, from monaco now with a year left on your contract for him to go for 10 million left less than his valuation i for me i don't think and I think this is the reason why a lot of other clubs haven't gone in for him is that although he's a very talented player, I don't think the clubs are willing to pay that sort of money for him now. No. And, as the, no. and as the window goes on with four weeks to go, I think that's one that could move. And actually with Leicester, maybe, maybe not, um, de desperate for, for funds and transfer funds that, that the likes of Arsenal, maybe Chelsea, maybe West Ham, Newcastle Villa are looking at it and maybe saying later on in the window, because of Leicester's desperation to want him to, to move on, because they know that he won't sign a new deal and, and therefore will be going for nothing, they may get him at a cheaper price. And that might be what's being um, sort of uh, discussed at the moment. Now, Tillemans wants his future sorted. Now he wants to know who he's playing for and devote his season for that. But obviously, it's not going to work out like that. So I think it's a it's a difficult situation all round. But I think that he's got the World Cup. Like we said with the other players, he's got the World Cup coming up in November, um, and he wants to be playing well and regularly uh, for to, to get into that squad. Yes, he's got a year left on his contract. Yes, we you know we are demanding certain amounts of money, and I don't know why we're not selling for the sake of losing ten million. For God's sake, we signed Jan Vestergaard for 15 and we've turned down 12. I mean, what the fuck? Just Why you did that, I have no idea. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have sold him for 3 million. Yeah, I'm taking whatever was offered. But they've Awful. turned down two offers for it. And I'm like, if we're that short, you know, and that what makes me think we're not necessarily that short of money. If we're turning down offers for Vestergaard, who's as much use as a fart in a spacesuit, to be honest with you, then oh, <laughs> how bad are we, are we off? Um, but the thing yeah. is, Chris, is it the fact that Arsenal, uh, that sorry, that Leicester value Tielemans at 30 million and everyone's kind of balking at that and going, well, we're not paying 30 million, we'll give you 10, 15. And I suppose from a Leicester point of view, you're thinking, well, if Tielemans is going to help us for the rest of the season, is it worth letting him run his contract down and then letting him go based on the fact that what he will provide you for this exactly. season? I was just going to say that very same point. Uh, last season, like I say, people would have paid 30 million for him, they'd have been queuing at the door. He's had to, because of the injuries we've had last season, he had to play in a more defensive role, which isn't him. He didn't stand out as much. And I say, had he played that position in the FA Cup, he wouldn't have got that goal. What we've got to try and balance out is if we can, if we save it, you know, don't sell him. Yeah, okay, we're going to probably lose, we're going to lose forty million on the deal. We lost thirty million on Slomani, and you know what he was like, guys. You had him at your place, and we lost thirty million because we had to let him go for nothing. But if we keep him, could he be the difference between us finishing eighth or maybe sixth or seventh? Yes, I think he could make that sort of difference. So if he gets us into Europe and the money that comes on the back of that, but then we lose him for nothing at the end, that could be well worth doing. Do you think um do you think Rogers jumps ship? If he does, he does. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna beg him to stay. Um you know, he's got this reputation of, of always bottling it in the third season. I don't know why, because it only happened at Liverpool. 
but then he was never given a full season to prove prove them wrong. Um, I, I if if he jumps ship, he jumps ship. Like I say, we all we all know that if our managers leave, if Gerard was to leave tomorrow, the club would still go on. Mm-hmm. You'd replace him with somebody else. It's not the end of the world, you know. When Arteta got the, the Arsenal job, who else is Rodgers going to go to now? He's he's stuck at a yeah. shoe. Yeah. That's Maybe. He might two seasons away he from sinking. He's a coach who could probably he's a coach who could probably fit in in like the French league or or Newcastle. Know, the, like the that. Yeah, or Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll swap you. I'll swap you for Newcastle for anyhow. Um, he. I wouldn't. Like I said, a couple but, of seasons ago. He was being linked with everybody. He was being linked with the Man United job. Uh, he was being linked with the Spurs job. Like I said, the Arsenal job. Um, who wants the Arsenal job? For God's sake, you win in the Premier League, they'd still be moaning. But if he goes, he goes. He's a good coach, but he's absolutely bloody rubbish at picking players. That's his trouble. He, he signs some donkeys. Um, if, if he goes, he goes. And I said, not, it's not the end of the world. He's the seventh best paid manager, like I say, in the Premier League. It's, it's his time to now start proving that he's worth it. And, and, you know, our managers are not afraid, our owners, sorry, are not afraid of, you know, cutting the cord if need be. You know, Ranieri won us the Premier League, for God's sake. Nine months later, he was gone. But you had money then? Well, only the same money we've got now. Yeah, but you can't afford yeah. to sack Rogers now, can you? That I don't know. That I don't know. I mean, I say this fact that everybody's saying like we've got no money. Like I say, it's balls. We haven't not got money. Skint. We just we, we <laughs> know, we've got to sell to buy because we've got twenty-seven man squad. Right? We're only allowed to play twenty-five. So why go out and buy players that we're not going to be able to play? Or say like, try, say like you're trying to convince yourself now, Chris. What I what I learned that what I learned that on is that maybe those two players that will um, come out to complete your twenty five man squad could be for Fano and Madison, but we'll wait we'll wait and see on that. Uh, that's for, that's for sure. But I want to switch gears now to talk West Ham United. Dan, you know you've been obviously waxing lyrical about your club and rightly so because the last couple of years you've pulled up a lot of trees. Um, you've uh, you've broken the mold. Um, and you've done what a lot of us around the table, around the panel, wanted to do and what I've wanted to do for a number of years now. You've broke that top six and you've created um, you've created a, a lot of talk about potentially breaking that top four. Leicester were there a few years ago. You're the team now that are doing that and playing some really good football on the back of it. Just, just assess for me, you know, you've had a good season last season. Europa League semi-finals, like you said before, you got the latter stages of the cups. You you had good seasons all round on on a quite a thin squad. Just assess to me your pre-season and your your sort of transfer business. And you know we'll talk about the transfers a little bit, little bit more detail. But I put them on the board there. Just talk to me about your club and how you're looking in the build-up to the new season. Well, I I don't think we're ready after all that positivity and nice words you had to say. I don't think we're ready for the start of the season, personally. Aguered, as you can see there. Well, Aguered, as you can see there, uh, looks really quality, a real quality player. He looks like he's going to be out for a few months after picking up an injury in preseason. Ariola, 
I think absolute quality. We don't know yet, though, if Moyes is going to start him now over Fabianski. He's going to transition that. Uh, Flynn Downs it gives us depth uh, in that midfield challenges. Suchek, but how long he'll take to, to be ready for the Prem is another point entirely. And then Skamaka, that's the big one. That's the big signing for us. You know, Diamante had... Mark two. Who? Diamante. Diamante Mark two. Listen, I hope he's, I hope he's a bit better <laughs> even than Diamante. Uh, we, the problem is, is we hadn't signed a striker in over a thousand days. It'd been over a thousand days since we'd signed a striker. It'd been 18 months since we replaced Alaire after selling him. Um, he, he's the 50th striker, Golden Sullivan have ever signed. I'm just throwing this information out there. We haven't got the best track record when it comes to strikers. However, I do feel like this is the man that can he can change things for us. He can break that habit. You know, he's the first striker that's signed under Moyes' new West Ham Revolution. I'm not including Jordan Hugo. That was that was a different Moyes. That's that's Moyes' clone. I don't know who that guy was. But this time around, Moyes has been pretty good with the signings. We've had Rob Newman, who's come in as our scout, head scout from Man City. Uh, and yeah, the guy looks quality. He's six foot five, but is good with the ball, can play with his feet, likes a shot uh, from distance. Uh, and has come away in he, with his hold-up play. So I think he's going to link up with the team really well, but he's going to take minutes away from Antonio, which is needed. The guy, you know, is our only striker who's not even really a striker. You know, he's a winger. We've converted into a striker after we tried to convert him into a right-back. Um, so and... I, I want to ask you the question, Dan, just, just on that. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, Rich Story, who's uh, obviously a part of Loaded, he, he wanted to get your thoughts on um, Skabaka and he wanted to get your thoughts kind of, you know, because of the fact that Newcastle were linked with him at some point, Arsenal, PSG were also linked with him too. You've managed to get him over the line and get him um, into your club. Um, you've just talked about Mikel Antonio there, who's been your mainstay striker, who's played a lot of minutes for you guys um, over the last couple of years. Is Gianluca Skamaka coming in to just play a bit part, or is he coming in to start? Who do you think is going to start the season for you up top? Um, well, I think it's going to... Well, Antonio picked up a knock in training the, uh, in pre, before pre-season the other day. So if he's fit, I think Antonio starts. You know, Skamaka's 23 years old. Moyes doesn't usually just get a new signing and put him in straight away. He slow burns them, um, you know, which he, he done with uh, Bowen even. You know, he's come on really well. Uh, as much as everyone's screaming, like, start this player, start this player, he'll take his time. So I, I can't see uh, Skamaka starting for m maybe the whole of August. I'd be surprised unless Antonio's injured. It will take a while. Then he'll start um, as we get more games. We've got Europe. We've got quite a few games, actually, in August. So with the Conference League, he may get a start there. The problem is, is he hasn't played any preseason with us Um you know where we due to the time we started him, so we'll see how his match fitness is. But if he's match fit, I think he can start. I think he'll possibly start the um, the European Conference games. I can see that because we've got two legs in August in the middle of all our Prem games. But yeah, I think as it stands, it's it's Antonio's place to lose. Even though he did sort of really taper off last season, he started really brightly. But I think. Fatigue did get the best of him because he had like you know the Premier League games, 
He he played in like the cup games. He played obviously in the Europa League games, and he was playing for Jamaica. All that traveling, all that game time. When usually he misses a lot of the season with injury, and now he stayed fit, but he's playing a lot of football. So, um, yeah, I think um, I think he he can still be the main man, Antonio. But I think with Skamaka, we've got someone who's a better finisher. Um, whereas Antonio, he's he's got that physicality. He's got the strength. He's got the pace. Um, and you know, he we know what we're getting with him, but I think we need someone like Skamaka who's, who's going to be a little bit more clinical, so it's going to be a transitional, just to answer your question in a short way over him and Skamaka. Nah, interesting. So, look, look, from from your perspective, before I go, I go around the houses, um, from your perspective, you know, you've set the benchmark, you've been there or thereabouts every season the last couple of years. Do you believe that you are ready and set? I know you said you're not ready for the season, but do you think you can maintain that for a third season and and continue to push the likes of the top six to really kind of push yourselves back in and continue to fight for Europe? Yeah, you know, I, I think we can. Like I said, I think we, we might start the season a bit uh, a bit slow. Obviously, we've got Man City opening game of the season, then Norton Forest's first game at home, like, you know, for in the Prem for, you know, 25 years or whatever yeah. it is. So, you know, even though it's a tough August, I do think that we will get some more players in and we'll have another good European challenge. Um, and I do, do I do see us finishing in sixth or seventh. Um, you know, you look at what we did last season with such a thin squad, one of the thinnest squads in the league last season. You know, we, we pushed like that top four race for quite a while, really. It weren't until... Um, we started facing the big teams in Europe where Premier League started to sort of take a backseat um, and we started to slip away from that top four. We spent quite, I think we spent more time in fourth than any of the other teams challenging for it. Um, you know, if I'm not mistaken, we was in there for quite a long time. But yeah, the, the squad depth hurt us. This season, improving the squad depth, um, you know, and we're improving, you know, the structure around the club. We've made some good coaching signings. Um, so, yeah, I can't see, you know, and with the Conference League, um, obviously Chris's team was in there last season, but I just look at how the Europa League was and the amount of quality teams there are they were in. Like, they really not much room for rotation, whereas, yes, we want to take it seriously, but it should be a slightly less taxing um competition and we should be able to not just put out the youngsters but be able to rotate some of the players that would be on the bench during the prem and give them more minutes so i think we'll we'll be less taxed and we'll be less stretched this season um and i think moyes is building consistency within the side like since he's coming the second time so i'd be very surprised um you know if we're not just challenging, but maybe leading the race out of uh, the teams that are here and trying to cinch. I mean, I, I'm looking at Man United and trying to take their position. Someone mentioned earlier, why Man United here? I think their position in the top six is most up for grabs, and I think we could be challenging them for that spot. Dan, just while we're talking, West Ham, um, I just wanted to ask you, what were your thoughts on Jesse Lingard? Because obviously it was like the worst kept secret that Jesse Lingard was looking like, you know, he had a, a verbal or gentleman's agreement with West Ham. And it was a matter a matter of time or a formality that he was going to be joining West Ham. But, you know, from your perspective and also as kind of from a fan base perspective, were you surprised by Jesse Lingard going to Forest or were you disappointed or it, do you feel like you've had a lucky escape? 
I think you know what it's sort of like a mixture of all of them. It's like a mixed emotions with the Lingard thing. I think like quite a few of our clubs that are here were linked with Jet with with Lingard. I know Newcastle definitely were. I think I did see links with Villa, um, but it just seemed to me like money was was on his agenda. Um, and I while while it was still looking likely that he was coming to West Ham, you know, I tweeted out saying the big issue is the guy took preseason off. He had a holiday on preseason and you know if he was really serious he would have arranged a club in his future like for that start of the preseason you know he, he knew even back in january he was going to be leaving um you know and he and he done really well at west ham and, and you know was getting back into consideration for the england squad and now it comes up and he's like oh no i'm gonna wait until like this date in july like near the end of july then i'm gonna make my decision it's like what is that if you're serious, if your mentality is in the right place, you want to sort out your club as soon as possible. But, you know, he wanted a bidding war. Uh, we were never going to... I think he wanted to come back to West Ham, but we just wanted to, to us to be the highest bidder. And we were never going to get into that. I think the most we offered was 130 grand a week, mm. which we saw as generous, which I do think is generous. And we weren't going to budge on that. And I'm, I'm happy we didn't because... Mm. He does not deserve to be earning 200 grand a week. You know, he was earning, what, half that, if that, at Man United. And there was no guarantee he was going to replicate the form he had. I didn't I, I didn't even expect, even if we signed him, I wouldn't expect that of him to replicate that form. That form was just crazy. Um, So, yeah, he could have been a good player for us and he fits our system. But I do think ultimately it's a lucky escape because I don't think he's got the right mentality for what we're trying to push on for as a club. Um, you know, he wants to make his money fast. He's at that stage of his career. Do that. We want players that want to achieve and want to win. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I think ultimately seeing how it panned out at the time I wanted him, but seeing that panned out, I'm, I'm glad um, that we're going in a different direction. Cornet seems to be the, the alternative Maxwell Cornet, which I'm happy with. Yeah, it's, it's been in the chat a number of mentioned mention about Maxwell Cornet uh, from Burnley. Um, we seem to be in the mix as well. Newcastle and West Ham and Everton seem to be the three teams that are really kind of good in for him. You know, if you were to, you know, obviously, you're, uh, both of our links, West Ham and, and Newcastle, I think you're copying this, Dan. I've got to be honest. Um, in terms of, in terms of his, <laughs> Rich coming his, from uh, you <laughs> But, um, you know, from, from, from that point of view, you know, do, do you see someone like a Maxwell Cornet fitting in? Where does he fit in in your in your starting lineup? Will he play regular? You know, what 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 are your thoughts about that potential deal? Yeah, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see that if he does play, uh, you know, in in a side like West Ham or Newcastle, whatever, maybe a side that's not as pragmatic as Burnley, and he gets, you know, a little bit more freedom. You know, he could potentially come in and and challenge like a Ben Rama. Or, or four nows and really offer something creativity creatively and he seems to be quite versatile with the positions he can play um which is good for us so yeah I, I, you know i really rate him um there's other players that i'm interested in like emmanuel dennis and you know players like that and looking at watford so but if we got him yeah I, i'd definitely be happy and i definitely think he could be a, a good player at west ham so yeah i think he would fit Definitely. Um, look around the table, Rich, little Dan, Chris. Thoughts on West Ham, but but before we move on, what what do what do you think? Do you think 
that West Ham are, as Dan said, the, the, the team that are kind of leading the way right now? Or do you think, um, you know, after a couple of good seasons, do you think there might well be a drop-off at some point? Um, I think I think keeping Declan Rice uh, will be, like, has been massive or will be massive. I, I guess, Dan, you're kind of counting down the days of the, the transfer window to make sure that he's still that he's still around. Um, but yeah, I definitely think they'll be the, 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 the team to kind of beat. And I think from watching them last season, um, from a Villa perspective, they're kind of the benchmark side, like in terms of the physicality of the, of the, of them, how sort of solid they are at the back. And then the, you know, the, the speed on the break, particularly like Jared Bowen and Ben Rama and, and one or two others. And obviously you've added to that this season, I would have maybe expected one or two more signings just to kind of cement that or just to broaden that squad because it was stretched really thin towards the end of last season. But, you know, some of the wins that they got, I mean, beating Liverpool and and just the way that you sort of demolished Villa really at Villa Park, it, it was just, I think that's something that Gerard has looked at and thought, this is where we need that physicality in our team because competing against the likes of West Ham um, Newcastle with Joe Linton and Bruno and that in midfield and um, Crystal Palace with the signings that they've made in their midfield. It's um, it's the way that the Premier League is going. So I definitely think West Ham are kind of that that benchmark team for for us to to look at and to kind of you know if if we can finish above West Ham, then I think we'll be somewhere towards that top seven, top six, which is which is definitely um, you know definitely going some. Little Dan. Your thoughts on, on West Ham? I think West Ham are, are purely walls with momentum. I think they've got 12 or 13 really top-class players, but then the depth afterwards... It, well, we had, we had this conversation on another podcast, Dan. Towards the end of the season, you were trying to give us seventh place, weren't you? Because the, um, the Europa <laughs> yeah. took, took so much focus on you that the Premier League, just, there was no energy for it, was there, on that, that, those Sunday fixtures after a Thursday game? Um, as I said, I think 11, 12, 13 players you've got um, can start every week, top-class players. I think the depth will, will cost them over the long term again. I mean, I'll ask a quick question, Dan. If you were given the option of just writing off the Conference League, would you accept it? Do you know what? I, I would, uh, I'd like to win it, personally. Um, I, think it's, I think it's winnable for us. I think we, we, we did really well in the Europa League. Sacrificing um, but... top seven, though. Well, yeah, because you think about it, if we win that, we get Europa League. Um, so that will get us into Europa League. We get a trophy, which is, you know, I was, I was speaking to this with some other guys. I, I would rather win that than the Carabao, personally. I look at that as it's a new trophy, but it's a European trophy. Carabao gets you into the Conference League. There's And, you know, the Conference League trophy gets you into Europa League. It's more money in the conference. So I hold it, in, even though it's new, in a little bit higher esteem than the League Cup. So, so yeah, I, I would rather win that, but I think we can go a little bit further in the in that. I think we can win it and then still maintain that. Like we, we, our depth should be better this season than it is like was last season. I think. I think the Conference League is still a bit underrated. I mean, I know you mentioned like the Europa League was quite difficult and there wasn't much room for rotation, but I think Chris will sort of reiterate there, there is still quite a lot of strong teams in that Conference League. I mean, Marseille was in it last season, weren't they? Yeah, Napoli, obviously Roma won it. Yeah, there's there's some big sides in there when you when you get to the knockout stages that I just think 
I, I think still, I still think that your depth will just will cost you both in the in the long term. The, the semi-finals, actually, including ourselves, we had there was the four teams that a couple of years ago had all been in the Champions League. The conference was no easy, you know, and I think I think Spurs suffered because they they treated it like a a tin pot cup, but. I think, you know, it was us six sat around the table with the club we support. I think we'd all take a European trophy, wouldn't we? Whatever shape or size it comes in. I yeah. think it's fantastic for the fans as well to get yeah. out to Europe. I mean, like, for West Ham fans, Dan, and for Leicester fans, Chris, like, it's just... I mean, for me as a Villa fan, I've never I've never been to, like, a European game. Yeah. Never. I don't so. agree with the fact... Uh, away that... from home, sorry, away from yeah. home. Yeah. I don't agree with the fact that because we failed in the Europa that we dropped into the conference. We, you know, if we fail at the Europa, we should be out. You know, Man United nearly won the Europa League a few years ago. They went out on penalties uh, in the final, but that was only because they failed at the Champions League. You know, it's stupid. You fail at one, and so you get dropped into the one below. I think it's their way of just trying to get bigger teams in there. Oh, it is. It's the rich, rich, isn't it? Yeah, Keep I mean, had, rich, we, rich. had we qualified um, for uh, where Napoli did last season, we'd have played Barcelona in the next round, as mm. Napoli did, and they got knocked out by Barcelona, and yet we got all the way to the semi-final. I would have killed to have won that trophy last season. Uh, and in regards to, to West Ham, I I would have wanted West Ham to do it last season. I don't care whether it's Wolves, Aston Villa, West Ham, Newcastle, or whoever. I just like to see other teams in the so-called guys' favourite six get into that top, you know, group of teams and, and, and cause a bit of a thing. And I, I think I'm the same as, uh, as everybody else on this table. I just think it's good with the depth of squad that could do for you, to be honest with you. I think You're a better man than me, Chris, thinking I'd, I'd, I'd like to see you win a flipping European trophy. <laughs> You're a better man than me, Chris. <laughs> I think on the depth, I think when I look at when I, when it, what we need, I think we're a left back and a left winger and a central midfielder away from having a, not just obviously a quality side, but that depth. Because we get a top left back in, you've got Preswell understudy. I think we've got enough depth in the centre-back position. I'm happy at right-back. We've got Sue Fowl, uh, Ben Johnson, who can also play left-back. And then we've got uh, Harrison Ashby, who's looking like the future. Um, you know, we've got Bowen on the right. We've got we've got a shitload of players that can play left or right. But, you know, you've got Fornals who can play there. We've got Lanzini, um, Antonio now, and Skamaka up front. Obviously, Rice Suchek is the main ones with Flynn Downs behind. So we get we get those extra positions in. I think there's enough depth there. So I think we're just free signings away from being as close to where we want to be to be able to handle that. I would, I just wish for one. Don't be greedy. I only want one. <laughs> <laughs> look, at this point now, look, we'll, we'll, we'll move on because I, I want to talk Wolves before we get into a little bit of talk in Newcastle as well before we end the show. But Wolves... Um, Wolves, uh, obviously, you were the ones that were the surprise team last season. You you made that push and nobody really expected it. Whether you did little down, I'm not too sure. We'll get your thoughts in a second. But, you know, Wolves were in, in the mix for the long parts of the season. But looking at your business this summer, obviously, um, Huang Hee Chan, uh, as, yeah, I think that made that bit that move permanent, if I'm right in thinking. Um, Nathan Collins 
has now made the move um, from Burnley uh, to Wolves. Um, just, just give us a, give us your assessment of, of Wolves' summer. Give us your thoughts on how um, your business has been um, this summer and what your thoughts are for the season. Do you see yourselves continuing that for, that run that you had last season or do you think it might be a more difficult season for you um, as a Wolf, Wolves fan, little dad? What do you think? Oh, I, I don't know whether it's that chicken burger I had earlier, but I just feel sick looking at that transfer business there. <laughs> It's, honestly, I, I'm well, really. Anymore, I'm going to put it back up for you. There I you mean, go. it's 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 so deflating, really. You you, you see the sort of uh, the money teams get every every season there purely just from TV money, and we our owners aren't giving our coach. He's uh, uh, coaching with two hands behind his back. I mean, you, you probably can coach with two hands behind your back. You don't. You only need a voice, really. But. Um, <laughs> It's 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 it, honestly it's it's fighting an uphill battle and I just I feel really bad for the guy and when the majority of football fans in, including our own are having our season ticket prices increasing every other season you, you're not seeing sort of any sort of decent amount of investment being put back on the pitch it's, it's massively deflating it makes you it makes you wonder why you bother going to work Monday to Friday to just spend your Saturday watching. A club that isn't willing to compete. I'm, I understand. I'm not, I'm not saying, and I know Newcastle fans will agree with this. We're not demanding that we we're in a title race. You just want to try and be on a <clears throat> compete with all the teams who have got stupid money. Yeah. And yeah. this is our fifth consecutive season, fifth fifth season in the Premier League now. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. obviously, we we probably. Nuno was probably a victim of his own success in finishing seventh in the first season and then getting to the quarterfinal of the Europa League in the second. But not not replacing Jimenez when he had his head injury and just just not a, strengthening our depth is just massively deflating. And I, I just wonder any any man with integrity probably would have resigned. But I'm not sure what how good a job Bruno Lars could get with his current stock value. It's just, it's disappointing. I think, I still think we can do well, but I think because everyone else around us has massively improved compared to us, I just think it's probably going to be another mid-table finish. I, little Dan, I just wanted to ask you quite well a couple of questions actually, just based on those uh, transfers that Pete flashed up there. So I know, I know Fabio Silva went out on loan to Anderlecht. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you about that because obviously he came in and correct me if I'm wrong, he came in with quite the big price tag, didn't he? Um, and everyone thought that he was going to be, you know, the next big thing. He he could possibly be, you know, the the understudy or the person who overtakes uh, Val Jimenez. But I also wanted to ask you about um, Ruben Vanaga because I hadn't realised. So has Ruben Vanaga joined Sporting Lisbon for eight and a half million and then gone on loan to Everton? Is that right or is that a different player? And that's the same one. We we sold him to Sporting Lisbon last summer. I think we've got some sort of um I think we've got a fifty percent sell on clause with him. Um right. I think he's he's joined Everton on loan yeah. with the option to buy, I think. He's he's missed one hundred one hundred step overs. That's that's all he is. He's a he is a quality player, but when we were talking about Ryan Out Nori earlier, he's just not in the same hemisphere. He's he's, yeah. he's a he is a probably a, 15th place and below Premier League left back and I think I think Everton are still in a relegation battle this season losing oh, Richardson and I just I, I don't see them getting out of it and so. I don't think Frank Lampard so. the man to get him out of it I know they had a bit of momentum towards the end but as soon as, as, soon as they go on another 
um, better of a defeat, they'll, they'll turn again. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. And also, just uh, on, on the back of um, you mentioned Ike Nori again. I, I remember when he first played for Wolves, and I, I was watching him. I think I mentioned it, Pete, to you, didn't I? And the lads saying that Ike Nori looks really good. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Johnny is currently occupying the position. Do you think Ike Nori replaces Johnny this season, or do you think Johnny's still got the position as his own, if you like? It's it's difficult. Nelson Samada was injured for the for the majority of. August when he comes back, I, I, I still think Aitnori will have the left back position. I reckon about seventy percent. It's now down. It'll be Ryan Aitnori, but Johnny is literally he, he's so reliable. Yeah. When he when he first joined Wolves and I when, and I saw he was only a couple of inches taller than me, I thought he's going to get ruined in the Premier League. But he, he's one of the most reliable defenders I've I've, I've seen in a Wolf shirt. Um, but that's just how much sort of. Um, credit I'm giving out Nori that I think he's he's sealed that left back uh, spot. Ryan out Nori is is an exceptional talent and he's only going to get better. I think he's 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 bulked up a bit more in pre-season this summer. Um, I, I, I genuinely think he'll be in the French national side within the next eighteen months. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah. Any, any thoughts from from the other boys before we before we move on? Um, uh, to wrap up with Newcastle, go on, Richie. Have a dig, um, Rich. Come on. <laughs> I, you can see you. He was desperate. He was desperate to get in there. Go on, Rich. Go on. I think. Us. I think. I think. I think Wolves. I, I do think Wolves will struggle a little bit. I have to say, like, I think the momentum that you lost from the back end of last season um, will will have some effect, and I think the lack of signings will. Will have will have some effect on 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 the new season. Obviously, you've mentioned about Jimenez being injured, needing a striker. I mean, you hardly scored any goals last season, so you know that has to be a concern if you if if you if you don't have such a good defensive record this season, and it, it's you know it's, it is difficult with other teams improving so much. Having said that, I've watched a couple of your preseason games, and some of the football that you're playing is 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 fantastic. Um, so you know you've got a good coach that that can that can produce can produce some really good football and i don't think so i, I do think you know in terms of the lack of goals i think some of the some of it was down to sort of poor finishing like you did create a lot of chances in in, in a lot of games but i do have a little bit of a concern for for wolves if they don't you know improve in certain areas um ain't always a good player kilman's a good player um Matinho's still there yes yeah. This is what I was saying yeah. about uh, to, to Dan earlier. Phenomenal West Ham awards momentum. I, I don't think yeah. there's a sort of uh, Royce and Suchek are pretty much Nevers and Matino for me. That they're, they're such a solid pairing, yeah. but there's no backup after those two. Yeah, I love Matino. I think he's one of the best players, best centre midfielders in the Premier League. Like he is absolutely. But I just that he's not getting any younger, is he? And that's that that's the that's the tricky part. And. He's catching up with Chris, to be fair, Matinho. Yeah. <laughs> Nevers has seemed to be um, linked linked away, but he's still around at the minute. So yeah. ne know, Nevers again. has been linked to Man United again this evening if they don't get Frankie de Jong. So right. it's right. a bit like Let, the same situation yeah. with Declan Rice. We're just counting down the days because we, 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 we need to be building a squad around the likes of Ruben Nevers. Exactly. What does it yeah. say for the club if you let players like that go when you don't reinvest correctly? Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, 
you know, we've got the bit of a rivalry, but ultimately, you know, Wolves Wolves are a good good side, and um, but I just I just I just worry for the goals, the injuries, because um, even Pedence and Neto have been injured quite a lot, and then that that mid that that squad depth and um, yeah, and, and just lack of signings. I do. I, do I just think you, you mentioned Pedence and Neto there. We we were we were without both of them for the majority of last season. If those two can stay fit, I don't see why we can't finish top half because they're two exceptional wingers. Um, I think when Daniel Poden started for Wolves last season, we won 70% of our games. So he's massively key for us this season. And we, we just, as I said, we, we're two players away from Europe all getting relegated. It's, it's are, that close. Are there, any links? are there any links for incomings? For our esports team, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are aware, but Wolves are heavy on brand with the esports world now. Esports is before the football team. There, we're, we're, we're big in esports. Well, that's we, where it's we, at we were there cool. once. We were there when we weren't signing any players, but then we announced a new flipping esports signing. Like, is the dragon? And they were like, "What the fuck is this?" Take <laughs> <laughs> oh, that as a no, then. Yeah. <laughs> but look. It, it, as we've as we've said before, it could all change. There's four weeks to go. Lots of deals, I think, will be done last minute. I do think that the transfer window for a lot of clubs in 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 the build up to the deadline day, I think, will be as busy as it ever has been um, this summer. Yeah. Because you've everyone's waiting. You've got to think. Minute. Yeah, you've got to think that clubs are keeping a couple of aces up their sleeve, or you know, yeah. depending on injuries, how people yeah. how players start the season, they don't want to. They don't want to play all their cards before that season starts, do they? Rich, I think I think we're in. You're in sync with with me and Chris H because you've 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 said that in terms of you know putting their cards close to their chest, not revealing their hand, and you're talking very much Newcastle talk, and that's what we're <laughs> going to go to next to kind of uh, finish off the show. And look, we'll talk about Newcastle United because uh, I mean I want to I want to get your thoughts and actually there's been a few in the chat that have said they're really interested to know what your guys thoughts are on Newcastle so you know I'll put it up on the screen uh we got Matt Target from yourself Rich uh we, we made that loan permanent for for it says 15 between 12 and 15 million Nick Pope on an undisclosed bid talked about it being 10 million um, it was even talked about with Kieran Maguire, who is a friend of the channel, that says we've only paid little as three million for that deal uh, in its first instalment. And then we've got um, who I think me and Chris H will both agree is a phenomenal signing in Sven Botman, who's looked absolutely phenomenal in preseason. He's looked a real, real player at centre back. Um, yeah. We've got uh, we've gone through a list of players, you know, some young. Some experience. Isaac Hayden's gone on loan to Norwich. Um, Freddie Woodman has gone um, to Preston on a permanent deal. Jeff Hendricks gone on loan to Reading. Kieran Clark to Sheffield United. Dwight Gale on a permanent to Stoke. Um, you know, forty-eight million at the moment spent. Um, zero received at this moment in time. Um, although obviously the undisclosed for Freddie Woodman might um, give us a little something. But look. Um, Chris, look, I, I'll, I'll ask you, Chris H, I'll ask you first what your opinion is on our business. And then I want to get the thoughts of everyone else before we kind of uh, look at where we're going to finish this season. 
Do you know what? I think um, I forget which show it was, Pete, because we're doing loads of shows at the minute, aren't we? But I, I forget which show it was, but somebody described our transfer window as six out of ten. And I think, to be fair, I think that's a really fair reflection. I think it was Paul Oxley, actually. Um, and I think that is probably about right, because I think the three additions that have been brought in, I'm going to ask the panel a question in a minute, actually, about one of these for the islands, but um, the three additions that we've brought in, I think, are solid. Um, are they going to get anyone up off the seats? Probably not. I think it's fair to say that. But I think they improve us as a squad. And, you know, little Dan was talking before about having a strong 11, 12, 13. But then it's what's behind that 11, 12, 13. And if we carry on in the way that we are and we gradually improve the squad as a whole without signing too many superstars, which obviously cost a hell of a lot of money, um, that can only help us going forward. You know, we, we were never going to get taken over and within two years sign, you know, 25 players and all of a sudden be a PSG, a Man City or whatever. It's going to be a slow, gradual build. And I think bringing in the players that we've brought in can only, you know, aid that and help us. Um, you know, we're, we're already talking like, you know, that we're going to be in the top 10 this season. Like we're, we're, we're all very hopeful of that and quite confident that will happen. Um, some people are saying top eight, some people are saying top six. That will all depend on the rest of the transfer window for me. Um, I still feel like we're two possibly three players light. Um, I would like to see a striker come in because, as we all know, if Callum Wilson is missing, then we literally have um, Chris Wood, and that that, that is it, uh, which is a little bit worrying. <clears throat> we we heard Dan before say, you know, about the fact that you know he's got Mikel Antonio, they've got Skamaka, and already you go. You know, two great options, and that—that's where we need to be as a club. Rich was mentioning before Ollie Watkins, Danny Ings. We just don't have that depth, and that's why I think we need a striker. Um, I also think we need a right winger, even though Miggy Almiron has had a fantastic preseason, and who knows? You know, he's been here what three years now. Maybe, maybe, maybe the pennies dropped. Maybe Eddie Howe has coached him, um, you know, to kind of produce that end product more. Who knows? Um, and obviously, we've been linked recently with the likes of James Madison, um, and obviously Lucas Pequet has been linked. Players like that. I, that's why I think we need probably two or three players for me to really push us on and to go. Okay, the minimum's top eight. Um, and I think with two really good signings who provide us with depth, but also possibly improve the 11 as it stands, will only stand us in good stead. But what I wanted to ask um, little Dan, Rich and Dan is their thoughts on Nick Pope, because as you probably all know or can hear, I'm, I'm from Liverpool and um, a lot of my, uh, not so much my Liverpool mates, but my Everton mates were all almost mocking the fact that we'd signed Nick Pope for 10 million. Um, it was almost as if, you know, what, what are you doing that for? And um, why why would you sign someone like him? And obviously, as you all know, we've got Martin Dubravka, we've got Carl Darlow, and we've got Mark Gillespie, uh, who's really our third choice goalie. So we've got four keepers at the minute. But for, for me, and Pete, I think I'm fair to say this, we when we signed Nick Pope, I was, I was pretty happy with the deal. And I, I felt like it was a good, solid signing. You mentioned before that there's rumours we've only paid around three million for him. And I think yeah. I think that's all cutting a bit of the Chris Wood money off. So Burnley still owes some of the Chris Wood money from the Burnley deal when we signed him. Um, so allegedly we've we wrote that money off and said, we'll tell you what, just give us this amount. Uh, sorry, we'll just give you this amount for Nick Pope and you don't owe us the Chris Wood money. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But for me, I feel like 10 million for Chris, um, 10 million for Nick Pope is a bit of a steal. But do you think I'm being a bit deluded there or do you think I'm being, what are your thoughts uh, on I that? Think, I think, 
he massively improves on what you've got. We we were linked with Nick Pope. It was either Nick Pope or Ariola. I think a lot of our fans were leading to Ariola just because we saw what he could do in a West Ham shirt last season. But it was split. I think a lot of people were, were open to Nick Pope. And if we didn't have Ariola already last season, everyone would have been buzzing off that signing. So I think it's very smart buy. Um, and I think, yeah, it, it improves you. Like, obviously, Dubravka's been there for a while. He's never been one to set the Premier League alight or get people talking or or have people linked with him of trying to maybe clubs trying to come in for him or anything like that. Right. So he's been a good, a good, uh, you know, a good steady player for Newcastle for a while. This is an upgrade. So you can't look at, you know, anything else. I think like if you look at Everton, okay, they've got Pickford. Maybe they don't need a, a Pope, but I think a lot of clubs could, could do with that transfer. So yeah, yeah, you should absolutely be buzzing off it. And I think it is a bargain. I agree. I think he's a good, good goalkeeper and uh yeah like you with the brav with the bravka decent goalkeeper but never quite protect no never quite commanded his bucks enough for me um made some good saves but sometimes those saves were probably because he got himself into that little bit of trouble by not collecting a ball or not not demanding something from the center backs or something like that so I think that's something. And also teams teams like to carry two really good goalkeepers now um, to try and push the other one on. Like you look at Fabianski and uh, and Ariola for West Ham. Um, Villa have got Robin Robert Olsen, who's the you know Swedish international goalkeeper and Emmy Martinez. <clears throat> you know, you've got to have two good goalkeepers now to push that other one on. So it, if you know if it makes Dubravka better, then obviously he's done its job as well. But uh but yeah. The only question I'd have on Pope is the the ability with the ball on the floor. You know, for how likes to play some really how likes to play decent football, um, and you want to try and play out from the back quickly, then that could be a slight slight issue with Nick Pope. We saw a little bit of that, Rich. I'm not going to lie. In the preseason, Pete, you probably remember it was right at the start when we signed him, and um, Newcastle. All of a sudden, the media teams become fantastic. We release videos, and we can kind of see the lads training and stuff like that. And for us Newcastle fans, that's fantastic because under Mike Ashley, we were basically you know penned out. Nobody ever saw anything like that. And there was a, a very short clip of Nick Pope being passed the ball, and he looked so awkward with the ball. Like <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was bad. And we were thinking, oh my god, hopefully this isn't sign of things to come but i'm um, surprised they even put it out i'll be, I know, I'll be honest i know i, I think i remembered on i remember saying on another show that like nick pope fumbled his the ball into feet and then played it off really quickly it was an awful ball <laughs> and then Debravka comes in and he, he the concentration on him yeah, yeah, because yeah, he knows yeah. he's being filmed and the touch is immaculate the pass is immaculate. It's almost like he's trying to play himself into that first team. But yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris. It was a, it was a bit of a mm, moment. It was a bit of a, mm, one of them ones. Yeah. But um, you know, Nick Pope is a great shot stopper. I think in preseason, Chris would agree. We've already seen the quality saves that he can make and he he, he can produce on, on on a big level. And you know, Martin Dubravka is of the same ilk. Uh, you know, Chris. From Leicester till I die, that who's obviously had to had to leave um, uh, the show, but you know he's been linked with Leicester. 
um, is a possible make way for Madison. It's one of them to, to keep an eye on. But it, it's a very, very interesting situation. But we've made those bids. We're looking at the likes of Madison. We're looking at one or two other players. Um, Dan's talked about, Dan Lawson's talked about Emmanuel Dennis and, and one or two others that we're looking at. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's been a player that we've looked at. I've just seen on social media, apparently the Everton fans are saying that he picked up an injury today in training and that he could be missing the start of the season. That's been his, that's been, you know, the, Everton have put 60 million on his head, but, you know, a guy, the guy can't keep fit. So how they can, how they can put that value on his head, I have no idea. Um, but he's been a player that we've looked at, you know, it, the likes of Ivan Tony, so many other players, you know, from from your perspective, guys, and I want to get your, your your thoughts on this before we kind of we kind of wrap up. Is that you know, we've had a resurgence? We're in the top three in terms of form for the back end of last season. We performed exceedingly well, more than anyone else has ever done in order to stay in the Premier League in any season since the Premier League was formed. You know, we, we, we've we've hit records. We've played some fantastic football at times. We've made some good signings. Do you, in your honest opinions, think that we can really genuinely challenge Europe? Do you think that we are going to be a team that you guys individually as a clubs are going to be worried about? Or do you think it's a little bit sort of like pie in the sky and that we're going to be finishing below the table again and, and it's going to be one of those seasons? What, 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 what are your thoughts on this? Don't pull me up on this at the end of the August transfer window. But I just don't. I don't think you're you're in a position to be competing for the European places yet. And I, we, when we played you at your place at uh, the back end of the season, when Chris Wood scored the penalty, we were absolutely ponied back then. And I didn't really see anything apart from a bit of bounce within the stands to make me think that you'd you'd massively uh, improved on from, from a playing style. So obviously, Eddie Eddie has come in, brought a bit of sort of cohesion together got you playing a way that's a bit more effective than what Steve Bruce was ever trying to attempt to play but um apart from sort of Bruno Gumerez you still haven't bought that extra sort of squad depth to really improve yourselves have you and like you said as soon as Callum Wilson picks up another another knock which yeah. is going to happen because he's yeah. made out of plasticine is you're going to struggle for goals again, aren't you? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be disparaging. I'm just you, you, you're going to get there at some point because your your owners are here to muck about. But I still think maybe this season might be a little bit too soon, unless they properly just throw a billion at it and sign Mbappe like you thought you, they were going to do. Well, look, I have to say that no Newcastle fan ever thought that that was going to be the case, that we were going to sign though that level of, of player. And that was 100% media-driven. The there was some on Twitter. Out. There was some on Twitter. When you was linked with these owners, I, I started seeing it. I see it. <laughs> look, that, that, look, Dad, you know more than anything that that's not a representative of the of the whole fan base. That you know, it, it, I, I honestly, the first thing I saw of it, it was back in 2020 during the COVID lockdown when we were linked and and, and it was rumored that the deal was going to happen and that we were going to be taken over by PIF. Wait, there's a, there's a tweet here. It says Newcastle Mbappe has got to have. We got to get Mbappe, Messi, Messi, and 
Neymar, and that is from at Dave's 2010. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, where's he from? Get lost. No chance. I swear, I saw you on the on the Bobby Robson statue letting off flares, chanting them back out. There is no way. There is no way. That's a lie. That's a lie. If anyone watches Love Island, you're a liar. You're a liar. And there is no way that I would ever, ever say that. Um, it's, it's not going to happen. It was actually, um, it, it, look, we know what we think of uh, of this newspaper. It was actually the Sun that came out with that that star-studded 11 with regards to um, who were going to sign them, Bappe, Bale, Coutinho, all the rest of it. They had a whole 11 mapped out for us that we were going to sign. And the media have ran with that for the last two years in terms of we're going to sign these stars to the players. At no point did Newcastle United fans think that we were going to sign those players, nor did we want to. We've been linked with Gareth Bale. We've been linked with a number of those high-profile players. Isco, for example, like we've been linked with. And Newcastle players have said that that is not the type of player we're looking at. We want a player that's going to grow and build with the team, which is why we were so happy that Sven Botman signed with the club. Um, because we want a team that's going to grow and build and develop. But like, look, from from your perspective, obviously, um, you know, uh, Rich, from your perspective, what, what are your thoughts about Newcastle this season? Um, I think, I think you could, I think that six out of ten probably sums it up. I think there's probably the signings that you've made a, a, a good, good, solid signings and what you needed. But I think you'd probably be a little bit frustrated in, you know, some of the names that have been mentioned across the whole of preseason that you haven't been able to maybe get one or two more over the line um, earlier. What I do think getting rid of some of the likes of um, Dwight Gale, Kieran Clark, um, Jeff Hendrick. One or two others will is massive on the wage bill, you know, because you know some of them were earning some big, big money on big contracts. So yeah. I think even though they're they've gone for not value in terms of the wage bill, they've probably freed up funds for you guys to use on, you know, one or two other big, bigger name players. But yeah, I I, I think you'll have a good season. Um, I always I live in Newcastle as a Villa fan, so I always worry about. Villa when they play Newcastle, um, and I hate playing them at St James's Park because we never win. Um, and it's all for you guys. I think it's all about creating that that home atmosphere and that atmosphere at home and keeping that going because you had some real momentum from last season with that with, with what the Eddie Howe created. So if you guys can keep that up, pick up some results away from home. I think a good top ten finish should be would be certainly um, realistic. Again, I agree with the two Dan's. I, don't think you're quite ready and this is this is the same for probably for for my club as well don't think you're quite ready for the top six um you know we don't realize how how many players or how good you've got to be to get into that um you know how many goals you've got to score like we said if wilson gets injured who's going to score those goals for you to get you into the top six so i think a good top 10 finish should be real good progress and then move on from there yeah i i would say Newcastle are probably the team I'm most worried about, you know, aside from Wolves, even though Wolves' business hasn't been great, they're starting 11 and their manager's quite good. But with, with Newcastle, you know, you've done some really strong business in January, which helped carry your form towards the end of the season. 
um, you know, transform Joe Linton, which almost was like a new signing, that guy, from what he was before and what he ended up. Um, you know, he was he was unreal. Um, so and there's some good quality players there already, the St. Maxims and stuff like that. Now, I think a lot of people was expecting Newcastle to just go crazy in the transfer window and, and splash the big money, and especially from from some of the noises your fans have been making. Um, I think some of you were. But you know, you've made you know some some good signings, some sensible signings, and I imagine you will make more. And I actually like the way that you're going about it by not going crazy spending money. You're not doing an Everton, you're not doing an Aston Villa, and just signing the attractive names, the fashionable names that you know to come in and and, and bring a bit of name value to the club. You're going about it a bit more cautiously. You're not trying to get dragged into. Here's the Newcastle price, which is what I've said before. You know, in Newcastle, I mean, you got a you got to charge a special price because because you got the money. But yeah. the way that you're not just going and running around like headless chickens to every club trying to sign their best players, and and going with that cautiousness does make me feel like you're you're not going to get drawn into that as much. So I imagine you will start to make a few more quality signings. Nothing that's going to make people feel like, oh my god, top four is happening, but. They're going to be quality signings that improve you gradually. Um, and I can see you finishing eighth this season. I really can. Um, honestly, I, I think that's where I, I don't th see you breaking that this season. But I, I think we'll be looking over our shoulder at you and thinking, geez, because I, I just think what Eddie Howe has done and how that team's come together, I think there's there's a, a, lot, a lot going for you. But yeah, definitely striker. The problem is the striker market right now is, is tough. You know, we 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 managed to sign Skamaka. Um, if we didn't get him, I don't know what we would have done personally, because it's hard. And I I can imagine you will probably sign an attacker, um, and maybe play him up front. Someone there like an Emmanuel Dennis, and maybe put him up front if if need be. And mm. that's going to be the situation you're in. But if they do a job, that's fine. You know, that's yeah, the attraction with Corney. That's that's yeah. the attraction with Corney. That's why, I'm yeah, Corney as well. Yeah, because we, we, yeah, we, we, Bowen was that role. If Antonio was, was, wasn't available, we played Bowen up front, which wasn't ideal, but it done the job and it stopped it being a disaster. So, if you get someone who can play on the wing or in midfield, and then you know, Wilson inevitably gets injured, you have someone there that can do a good job, maybe better than Chris Wood. Chris Wood is that guy that you probably want to bring on last 10 minutes legs are tired and, and that sort of impacts up which he you know he's lethally effective at that against west ham honestly um so yeah i'm sorry sorry to jump in a second because i obviously didn't get a chance to talk about maxwell Cornet earlier obviously it was only one game he didn't play against us at turf more i think he was injured but he was the worst footballer i saw in the flesh last season in the premier league and i saw grant hanley play <laughs> we know about Grant Hanley. Yeah, Max Cor Maxwell Cornet at Molyneux was the worst footballer I saw all season. He, he looked like he was playing with his, his um, laces tied. He couldn't string a pass together, and he, he looked like he was carrying two injuries. He, he was awful. I've never seen a player. He, he, honestly, he looked like a competition winner. I could have he, said that about our whole eleven when we was at the Molyneux last season. Yeah, <laughs> it was fucking terrible. Yeah. I'll, let, I'll let you off because it was the Europa weekend, wasn't it? <laughs> the, the one thing, the one thing I'll say about Maxwell Corne is that you know that's the one thing that's a question mark with him is because he's had he's had a fair few injuries, he's had a lot of international duties, 
but uh, obviously with the African Cup of Nations and various other things, but he's had a number of injuries over the course of the season. So it could well be that when he played you guys at Molyneux that he was injured at that particular time because he was the one that was making a massive difference to, to Burnley. I think he scored nine, ten goals last season off the back of that in, in a Burnley team that wasn't scoring many goals. I think that was a that was a massive you know achievement for him. And, and I just think if he could come into a Newcastle or maybe a, a, a West Ham, he could improve them. Um, whether it's a starting or from the bench, he could make a difference. So it, so it is one that is that is interesting one to keep an eye on. I still think with with Newcastle, you know, and, and Dan Lawless, you, you'll know because you were linked with um, uh, Brozier for quite a while. So were we, yeah. and we still are. And and he can play up front. He can play off the wings as well. That's the um, one. That's the one. If you get, I really wanted Brozier, but yeah. Chelsea. And, and this is the thing. And this is what a lot of people have been talking about. A lot of Chelsea fans have been talking about actually that if he doesn't, if he doesn't feature as much in the in the first two games of the season, or even the first game of the season, if he's not in the squad, or if he's not involved that he might then start pushing for a move. And that's where maybe we can come calling and get him in maybe on a loan or on a cheap deal. Uh, and that's where we can maybe get that striker in that we need, a young striker, only 20 years old, but got lots of potential, scored nine goals last season. That's a potential for us to really come in and take advantage um, of, and then kind of exploit the market because Chelsea obviously are looking at far and wide at other players. So it's an interesting one to... To, to keep an eye on. We've obviously been linked with Timo Werner, who's who's um, in talks with RB Leipzig, likely to go there. But again, it's another one we've been linked to. It's an interesting situation with Newcastle. Um, we're not done in the market. That's the thing. Like, and, and obviously, little Dan, yourself, Dan Lawless, Rich, you've talked about, you know, that we're not quite ready to make that jump yet. But the one thing I'll say is, is that we are definitely not done in the market. We are looking for at least two attacking players to really kind of take us forward into the new season. I think if we were to get a Madison and a Brozier or a Madison or a Dennis or a Madison and one of the, one of the forward striker, I honestly think that we could be in that position where we not necessarily be guaranteed, but we'd certainly be more of a talking position. And like Dan Lawler said, is it one that maybe you guys would be looking over your shoulders at over the course of the season? But I just wanted to end on this point of view with with the show. I want to I want to get your opinions around the table of where you think your club is going to finish this season. So you know, look, Rich, I'll start with you. Where do you think you're going to finish this season? Uh, for Aston Villa, based on, on on what you've done so far, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say a creditable ninth position and a good and a good cup run. Okay, still could get Europe then with a good cup run potentially. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Look, Dan Lawless, what do you think? Do you think you're going to be hitting the heights of you know five, six, seventh again this season, or do you think it could be a season where you have a drop off? What do you think? Well, I've put my neck out on a, on a couple of other shows and said that I think we'll finish above Man United and get sixth place. We, we don't know what the what the hell they're going to be, Man United, but I think we I think we're going to do it. I think they could they could potentially fall apart, and yeah, I think we can cinch that sixth point. Worst place seventh is me being confident. Interesting, uh, little Dan. What do you think about Wolves? Your chances and where you're going to finish this season? I think we're going to finish ninth and have a good cup run. 
<laughs> Nightfall goal difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beat Villa, beat Villa in the semi-final of the FA Cup. I honestly don't. I'm, I'm really pessimistic. I'm, I'm, I'm a naturally pessimistic Wolves fan. It's just ingrained in me. I've, I've had too many heartaches then celebrations. So I think it'll be mid, mid table. But hopefully, I mean, we're on a flipping battleground Europe show. I've got to back us to get in Europe this season, AI. <laughs> of course. This is what it's about, Battleground Europe. This is what it's all about. And, and yeah, you know, you could well get in Europe even if you don't finish in the in, in, in the top echelons of the table. So Bring back the Anglo-Italian Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. And look, Chris, Chris, I want to get your thoughts from a Newcastle perspective. What or where do you think Newcastle United are going to finish um, come the end of the season? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a prediction based on the fact I think we're gonna get at least two more in. So I'm gonna say eighth. Eight. Okay. Interesting. I am. I, um, I'm maybe gonna go one better. I'm gonna say we're gonna finish seventh. Um, what, what about if your tweet comes true, Pete? What's that? <laughs> what tweet? You get Neymar. Hashtag welcome and back. Hey, stop making out that this is a thing. <laughs> this is not true. You know it. It'll be like time. Avon Pete. That's it now. Dad's threw me under a bus here, and it ain't even true. Expecting Mbappe getting Givosh. Givosh. Oh my God. The less we talk about him, the better. But yeah, there is no way I said anything think about Mbappe. Uh, I, I think we're going to finish uh, seventh on the back of what Chris all said. I think if we make those two attacking signings, which I believe we will, um, at least two signings before the end of the window, I do think that we've got a chance to push for seventh. And I think it links to what Dan Lord has said in terms of, I don't think Man United are going to have a good season this season. I really don't. Um, and I think it could uh, bake away. I, I actually don't think uh, and I might be putting my neck out here. I actually don't think Arsenal are going to have a good season either. Um, wow. I just I don't. I know they've signed well, but I just don't think that they're going to have a great season. And I think over the course of 38 games, it's all right having a good preseason, but I think over the course of 38 games, I don't know whether they're going to maintain what they did last season. With, with Europe, cool. with Europe, they didn't have that last season. Exactly. And I think that's where some of our five clubs could really exploit that. Yeah. Really and, and, and quick to add this before we go is those clubs that are that had to six last season are likely to be the most affected by the World Cup mm. than yeah. us. And it'll be yeah. interesting to, to see. I'm not sure out of our clubs who's probably who's got the most players going away, but I can definitely say out of those clubs, they're gonna be most affected by that World Cup. And that could be a chance where we can start to get a bit more fitness, a bit more rejuvenation at that period in the season as it gets to later. So that'll be interesting. Especially if they get some key injuries at that World Cup as well. Yeah, it's a great point and it's one to keep an eye on. And look, I would love for us all, all five, all five clubs to get back around the table again around the sort of December, January mark. I know we've talked about it before to, to assess where our seasons have, have, have kind of developed as we go along. Um, so I'm sure we'll get back around the table to have another Battleground Europe chat as, we, as we're as we getting thick into the season. But just, look, just to end the show, uh, always give a shout out to the sponsors. I know Simon's been in the chat. 
uh, Shy Burns, um, www.shyburns.com. Um, get your latest gear from Shy Burns. Um, massive supporter of mental health, as it says on the T-shirt there. Um, and Simon has done some fantastic things, not just for Loaded Mag and UFC, but just for mental health in general. And we are big advocates of that. So thank you for Simon for all your support um, for Loaded Mag and UFC and mental health in general. Pins and prints, lots and lots of pins and prints, all your favourites, whether it's a pin or a print of um, Kieran Trippier, the, the mixed match of, of kits that are available and so many more on there as well. Uh, we also have Retro NUFC um, that are a massive support and Machine House, who are a huge supporter as well. We will get your images and your gear on, on away days on this stream as the season progresses. We'll get it transferred over. But massive, massive support from all the sponsors that support Loaded Mag NUFC. We really, really do appreciate it. And look, you guys, Rich, Dan, Little Dan, we uh, and Chris obviously that had to leave us a little bit earlier. Massively appreciate your 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 time and effort to come on to talk Battleground Europe. Um, hilarious at times, some of your opinions <laughs> and some of your thoughts about other clubs. Uh, we'll see how it progresses. Four days away till the big kickoff. Um, we are looking forward to it. Um, that is for sure. Chris, all um, obviously always a pleasure. Never ever a chore. Um, with regards to sharing the, the floor with you and talking all things Newcastle United. It's been a fantastic uh, show. Really, really enjoyed it. Those in the in the chat, and we've been tracking it as we've been going along. Apologies we didn't get your questions going. Um, blame Daz. We'll make sure that it's not private next <laughs> time and we can get your questions on the screen as we go along. But we are back. Um, uh, we are back for more shows. Uh, the Full Loaded Transfer Show is back tomorrow. We are back with away days with uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, Mr. Dior, um, out to talk all things Newcastle and Nottingham Forest in the build-up to a massive first game of the season. But look, until then, um, you guys take care and we will speak to you soon. Have a great evening. Guys. <laughs>